Good morning. Let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him, for He is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear, now to His temple draw near. Join me in glad adoration. Praise to the Lord who doth prosper thy work and defend thee. Surely His goodness and mercy here daily attend thee. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do if with His love He befriend thee. Praise to the Lord, O let before him. Let the Amen sound from his people again. Gladly for him we adore him. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the this morning. Let's open up ask the Lord to come and meet with us. Father in heaven, we come before you and Lord, we do claim that promise that you will be in the midst of those who gather to worship you. And I just pray that even now, as we exalt your name in song and in prayer, that it would be your spirit that draws us nearer to you. Help us to understand better who you are, that we might be conform to your image. We praise you in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Within me feels dry. 
Would you please stand together? We're going to lift up our voices as we sing Jesus Saves. Hear the heart of heaven beating. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And the hush of mercy breathing. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Hear the hearts adore him Jesus saves Jesus saves and the wisest bow before him Jesus saves Jesus saves see the sky alive with praise melting darkness in its place there is life forevermore in Jesus saves saves, Jesus saves, he will die our burden bearing, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, it is done, we'll shout the cross, Christ has paid redemption's cost, while the empty tombs declaring, Jesus saves.
has ransomed me his grace runs deep while I was a slave to sin Jesus died for me yes he died for me who the son sets free oh it's free indeed I'm a child I would like you to turn with me, if you would please, to the second epistle of Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 15. Second Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 15. The text simply says, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. So what we find here is... The Word of God challenging us to be believers who hold to the traditions of our faith. Now, the interesting thing is when we think of the word traditions, maybe we kind of think of, oh, just things we do over and over again 
without not necessarily any great meaning. But the word traditions here in the Greek actually comes from the word paradosis, which means traditions with authority outside of ourselves. And what that actually is referencing is the traditions of Christianity beyond or outside of us, rather taught to us by God. And so as an example, I would say to you, the tradition of missions, it would have the paradosis, that's the Greek word for tradition, it would have the paradosis of Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching all men. And it goes on and talks to you and I about doing the work of missions. So the tradition of missions comes from the word of God, which is something outside of us, a higher authority. It's the paradosis that you and I follow. So here he's saying to us, look at our faith, look at our Christianity, look at the function of who we are and how we practice our trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold that paradosis, that tradition, which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. My goal this morning is to challenge each of us whether here in the sanctuary or online, challenge us to take our faith, the tradition, the paradosis of our faith, and to do exactly what this scripture here is exhorting us to do. And that is to stand fast in it, to hold to it, to look to the word, to look to the epistles and the teachings of God's word that you and I might understand that it is larger than us. It's beyond us. It's not about us. It's about obeying God. So what is the substance of this exhortation? He references to us teachings. That's why when you look at that 2 Thessalonians 2.15, it says, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which we have been taught. And then he references being taught by word and by epistle. Each of us sitting here this morning, you and I are being taught, taught by the word of God, the epistles of God, taught by the preacher who God called to come and to proclaim the truths of God. When we understand that the, the preachers, the teachers, these are folks who are called by God to do the work of God. In fact, I want you to look with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 10 down through 13 in your Bible. Ephesians chapter 4, 10 through 13. Listen as I read this text to you. And he gave, and he being the Lord, he gave some apostles and some prophets. Who did he give it to? He gave it to the church, the church throughout the ages. He gave some apostles, and we know the Lord Jesus Christ chose his 12, didn't he? He gave prophets, both Old Testament and New Testament, and some evangelists. And we know the apostle Paul was sent forth as an evangelist to plant churches throughout all of Asia Minor there. So he comes down, he says, God has given some, 
He's given some churches apostles, the early church, given prophets, given evangelists. And then look at the last part of verse 11. And he's given some, given some churches, pastor teachers. You and I live in that church age where God calls pastor teachers. I'm a pastor teacher. We need to be praying that out of our congregation, God calls young people and middle-aged people to surrender to be pastor teachers, that they might take the word of God and carry it forth. You grandmas and grandpas, you need to be praying, Lord, call one of my grandchildren to be a pastor teacher, that they might do the work of the Lord all around the United States. In fact, around the world, there's becoming a shortage of individuals who surrender to be a pastor teacher. But here he's referencing, he's saying, we need to stand fast and hold to the traditions, the paradosis, the authority beyond ourselves concerning our Christian traditions. And they are taught by those pastor teachers that God has called to proclaim the word. Look with me, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. And I want you to see that these individuals are people who are prayed for and they're esteemed, not, not because of who they are, but because of what they are. They're simply spokespeople for the Lord. Look at 1 Thessalonians. I went a little too far, went to 1 Timothy. We want to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look down with me at verses 12 through 13. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. You see, it is part of God's design. He's the one who established the church, not pastors. So pastors didn't one day decide, well, let's go ahead and create a church so that I would have a job. Let's go ahead and have, let's create a church so that we can go ahead and call people together and we can build buildings or do youth camps or teach Sunday school classes. It wasn't pastor's desire. No, it was God's desire. He established the church, started with the 12 apostles, founded it and grounded it on that day of Pentecost. And we see ever since then, him calling pastor teachers. But here he reminds us, why do we pray for God to call pastor teachers? Why do we esteem highly? Why do we bring in a pastor teacher? Why? For the work's sake. That the work of God might be accomplished to the furtherance of his gospel around the world. Not only in foreign missions, but right here in your neighborhood, among your children, your, your friends. That they might be ministered to in the word. You need to be praying, Lord, raise up in our congregation, pastor teachers, raise up in our nation, missionaries, pastor teachers to go forth and evangelize the world. This generation has to replace my generation. Amen. As I get older and I pass off, we need some young person who's going to step into the pulpit, who's going to do the work of the Lord. So we find that in this text, he's telling us, stand fast and hold the traditions, the paradosis, which ye have been taught, whether by word or epistle. You hear me preach and teach, 
My goal is to bring forth the word of God that it might do the work of God. The Apostle Paul, he was called to be that evangelist, that pastor teacher in his generation. 2 Thessalonians 3.14 says, If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. You find the apostle writing to the church in Thessalonica and he is challenging that church to take the paradosis, the authority beyond himself, the very word of God, and to count it cherished and prized. He says so prized that if our brothers and sisters don't adhere to it, he says recognize that. Because we should all embrace the truths of God. We should be in unity around the truths of God. He clearly had a pastor's heart. 2 Thessalonians 3.15. Here he's, he's referencing those who would maybe not be obedient to the scriptures within the church. He says, yet count them not as an enemy, but admonish them as a brother. You and I, you know, we have come through, we've come through this crazy COVID time, a couple of years worth of it, haven't we? And it has affected our congregation as a whole. Uh, it has affected our community, hasn't it? It's affected our nation. In fact, it's affected our world. But churches have been affected. I was taught, we're, right now we have a missionary staying in our missions apartment here in the church, Brother Lawrence Evans. He's a missionary to the gypsies. And you might say to yourself, well, boy, I don't know. We don't call them gypsies anymore. That's what he calls himself. And he's a gypsy. Born and raised a gypsy. In fact, uh, him and his wife, it's an interesting thing. They never met each other until the day they were married. And that's because in their culture, their parents choose their spouse. I think that's a good idea, don't you, Gene? <laughs> as long as it's for your kids, not for you, huh? Yeah, I get it. But he is by birth throughout his whole life, raised to be a gypsy. In fact, him and his wife, before they came to salvation, she was a fortune teller. And then when she received Christ as her savior, her and Lawrence looked at each other and said, we can't keep doing this. So they went ahead and they changed their whole lives and eventually were called to be preachers. But we find that, you know what? Folks like Lawrence, folks like your pastor, we're called by God to do the work of God. That we might follow the paradosis, the traditions of Christianity, that are higher than ourselves. They are found in the word of God itself. So when we understand that, in fact, it takes us in my point to that next step. Because it's really not just about pastors and what they preach and teach. It is about the epistles. It is about the Bible. That is what our faith is, is instructed and taught from. That we might understand those paradoses, those truths that are larger than us. He references it as the epistles. He says, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you've been taught, whether by word 
or by epistle. So those, in, those epistles, it's important for us to understand they were inspired by God. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So as we look at these words, as we look at these pages, the scripture itself, we understand that they were penned as the Holy Ghost moved in the hearts of those individuals. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It's given to us by God. It's so important for us to pass on to the next generation the understanding that this is not just a book. It is the book. It is the holy word of God given to us by a holy God. He wants us to understand the paradosis. The tradition of our faith outside of ourselves from the authority of God. You see, if, if Christianity was really just based upon people, it would change all the time, wouldn't it? As each generation changed, it would change. There would be a constant change of doctrine and thought, philosophy and practice. Why? Because we change. But this never changes. This never changes. And God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This, the word of God teaches us. There shall not be one jot, not, nor one tittle, that shall ever pass away from the word of God into eternity. So when we start talking about the traditions of our faith, taught by the mouth of preachers and teachers and missionaries and prophets, we understand that they're not speaking of what they think, but they are, if they're a true preacher of the gospel, they're going to these epistles, these writings that were given by God. We have a responsibility never to add to it, nor take away from it. In other words, I can't put an addendum on the back and say, well, you know what? I think what I'd like to do is have third Timothy. My Timothy. You know, because I'm Pastor Tim. So let's look at third Timothy chapter one, verse four. No, I can't do that. Why? Because God tells us not to add to nor take away from it. In fact, Revelation 22, 19 says, If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So if you know somebody who's written another book and tried to tag it on the back of the, this book, then I can tell you right now, they're violating this book. You can't add an addendum onto it. You can't go ahead and add new books and pages. You and I are called to come to the finished work of God and not have it conform to us, but us conform to it. Now, does that mean that we can't change? Well, of course we can change. 
Um, you know, I, I had an old pastor friend who he, he preached all the way up into his 90s. And he could remember a time long before now. And he told me, he said, Pat, you know, Tim, can you imagine if people did not change with the times? He said, can you imagine, just visualize with me, he said to me one day, women in hoop skirts trying to get into an airplane seat. That just would not work, would it? And that could almost be dangerous for the people on the, all around him. He said, people have to change with the culture, but we cannot violate our paradosis, our traditions from the scriptures. And there's a difference between the traditions of man and the traditions of the scriptures. You see, the Bible teaches us a strong biblical sense of modesty as Christians. But what determines modesty? When I, went to, when I went to college, they told us, you know, you should not be wearing any, any of those, I don't have one on today, uh, any pastel colored shirts, they told us when we were students. Well, a lot, I mean, man, I was in college in the 70s. We all own pastel colored shirts. But you had to send them back home to mom because you couldn't wear them. They were immodest. And then as time passed, that kind of faded out. Why? Because it wasn't based on word of God. There's no place in the Bible that says you can't wear a, a pastel colored shirt. Although I don't see any pastel colored shirts in here. <laughs> the reality is we have to be sensitive ourselves to understand the difference between traditions of men and paradosis, traditions of epistle, of truth. Of scripture. What does thus saith the Lord? That's who we are as Bible believing Christians. You and I are people who look to the word of God for the foundations of our faith. So when we look at this particular text in 2 Thessalonians 2.15. What is the application of this? He's saying to us, look to these traditions, these, this paradosis of scripture that you hear taught and you look and read, he says, I want you to do two things with it. I want you to stand fast and I want you to hold those paradoses, those, those traditions that are outside yourself, that are founded in the word of God. A strong effort of stability is what he means when he talks about standing fast. First Corinthians 15, 58 says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He uses that same phrase, that, that phrase of being steadfast or standing fast, digging in, embracing that you do not alter or waver. It's important for us to understand who we are. Why we are who we are. That we might be able to unwaveringly ch not change the things that are outside of ourselves. That are based upon the paradosis. The word of God. The authority beyond us. It's only when we fully understand those things. That we can stand strongly in those things. 
If we're not careful, we ourselves, we don't know the truth and therefore cannot embrace the truth. You have to know. Uh, yesterday we were working in the, on the project back here in the afternoon and Brianna, I think I saw Brianna right there. So she, she said to me, Pastor, I'm going to finish mowing the grass. And the little John Deere tractor was sitting out here beside the project. And, and I said, that's great. So I asked her, well, do you know how to start this tractor? And she said, I think so, because she runs all kinds of equipment. But as you and I all know, every single one of them is different, isn't it? So we got over there and she went to do this and this. And, and I've run that mower many times. And I, I said to her, I said, I think you're going to have to get off it. And I've got to get on it. Because I've just got to do rote memory. You know, you just boom, 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 and it goes. Because, you know, there's all these safety things and all these things that... So I had to get on it, go through the rote memory to get it going. But I had to be familiar with it. You know what I mean? You have to know it. There's so many things in our lives that we really have to understand and know... To do. How many of you remember when PCs, personal computers, first started coming out? You remember those? So Sandra, Joe, and I would walk through the store and I would look at those things and I'd think, how do you turn that on? And I can remember going up and hitting a button. That didn't work. Should have. It would have worked on a car or something, but it took a while because I didn't even know anybody who owned one. It took a while to become familiar enough to even know how to turn it on. Never mind have it actually tell me something. But now I go up to my office and we're all computerized. I go up there, I turn that thing on, bam, bam, I'm in there. Now, granted, I'm not as fast as John or... Ashley and, and about 90% of you, but I can get in there and do my job. I can do what I have to do. I do a lot of word processing. I do a lot of different things with state government and all of that. I do all that through there, but I have become familiar with it. You see what happens to us with the word of God. If we're not careful, we're not familiar. We don't make ourselves familiar enough to be comfortable with what's in here. We have to know the word of God to stand fast in the word of God. Through the years, I've done a lot of building projects, but there's one thing that I'm not really confident in, and that's framing. Not confident in the framing part of building. So I never look at somebody and say to them, no, the way you do it is like that. Because I might be wrong. Because I'm not confident in that. So I always look for somebody who is pretty knowledgeable in that. Yesterday afternoon, I said, Harmon, we got to do this little wall over here. Can you head this crew? Because I know Harmon knows how to frame. He came over, bam, bam, bam. He told us exactly what we needed to do. Got that section of wall done. But I would have never looked at Harmon and said, no, Harmon, that's not the way you frame. I'm not familiar with it enough to stand fast 
and what I think is right or wrong about framing. You as a Christian, when the Bible says to you to stand fast in the paradosis, the authority beyond yourself, this authority, do you know it well enough to stand fast in it? We have to know what it says. We need to make it a part of us. Read it, study it, hear it taught. Let it be hidden in your heart that the Holy Spirit might bring it forth to your re remembrance. But he not only uses the phrase stand fast, he says hold on to it. Hold the paradosis. Hold the tradition. That word hold is the Greek word kreteo, and it simply means to use strength to seize. I was talking to somebody the other day that was telling me that they had they were taking care of their nephew and they came walking up to a street and they stopped and that fast the little tyke ran right out into the street and got hit but was okay. So I asked that person, I said, next time you walked up to the street with that little person, did you hold on tighter? And they said, oh, absolutely. You and I know the difference between just kind of casually holding something and holding it like our life depends on it. Amen? And when we walk up to that curb and we have a grandchild or a child or a niece or a nephew, man, I'm holding on to them like, their life, maybe even mine, depends on it. Because there's no way I can look at my daughter and say, I lost one. You know, I wasn't holding on very good. That doesn't work. So here he says to us, he says, listen, hold on to that paradosis. Hold on to that truth that is beyond yourself. It is the word of God. Hold on to it like your life depends on it. You must know it in order to hold it. You must be intimate with it in order to embrace it. You must exercise yourself to be strong enough to not let it go. Make the word of God a part of you. That's what he's talking to you and I about. What's the purpose? Why is he challenging us like this? Why is he telling us to do this? Why? Because we are the children of God. Because we're chosen by him through faith. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 13 and 14 says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why are you and I called to stand fast and to hold for like our life depends on it to these truths, to these paradoses, these traditions that are beyond us. These things that are of God. Why? Because we are his children. And he expects it of us. We are his children. 
It should be that that's who we are. That we embrace his truth, that we live his truth, that we practice his truth, that we understand that it's bigger than us. And out of respect to him, we hold on and we practice and we do not let go these things that he has taught us in our lives. The text I read to you said that we are his children through sanctification by faith. In his word. You see you and I. When we understood that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. We received Christ into our heart. And God sanctified us. What that means is he cleansed us. For the master's use. His blood washed away our sins. That we ourselves might be white as snow in our soul. Our sin fell away. When we by faith received Christ as our savior. We became the children of God. Look with me, if you would, at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. It says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the church of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. So the apostle, when he wrote to the church, he says, I can't help but thank God for you. Because when we simply gave to you the truths of God, you received the truths of God as the truths of God. They became the children of God. Just as you and I this morning. If we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are born into the family of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ. It doesn't matter whether you're young or old. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter what your nationality is, what your color is, what your historical background is. You and I, it doesn't matter what gender you are. And I, I have to remind you that biblically there's only two. But... We are born into the family of God as brothers and sisters in Christ. Throughout our lives into eternity, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So we look to the text and we say, yes, Lord, I understand the traditions, the paradoxes, the truth outside myself, your truth, bigger than me sounder than me, more stable than me. It's your truth. And I will hold on to it, Lord. I will not let it go. Why? Because I am your child. Thank you so much for coming and being in the Lord's house this morning. And as we go forth, let's bring the word of God with us. Let's stand strong, steadfast in it. And let's pray for the next generation. Amen? Amen. We look around. They need the traditions beyond us. They need the traditions of the word of God.
Amen? I'm going to close this in prayer, but then John has a little bit of a closing song. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd be with us as we go. I ask that you would help each of us to be strong in our faith. Help us to know your word. Help us to embrace it and hold on to it. Help us to stand fast in it. Help us to be so familiar with your truths that they are just a part of us, hid within our hearts. Please be with us today that we may go forth and represent you well. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's lift up our voices as we just sing the chorus of Shine, Jesus, Shine. Shine, Jesus, shine, fill this land with the Father's glory, blaze, spirit, place, set our hearts on fire, flow, river, flow, flood the nations with grace and mercy, send forth your word, Lord, and let there be light. Amen. We're dismissed this morning.